Hello everybody and welcome to the history making, record breaking, award taking, ground shaking, internet breaking, podcast sensation that is WTS pod. <laughs> there was a cl- I'm Graham Merrow Merrigan Mania Merrigan G-Man. I've completely thrown you with the intro today. You'd completely threw me. <laughs> Graham's currently picking his nose. That will not make the video edit because we don't put videos out there. That's because it's too much effort. I'm not picking me nose. Doesn't sound like you are. That's for definite. How are you, Dan? I am absolutely flying at Graham. I'm tremendous. 171 podcasts down. More than 171, but this is 171 of the the biggins, so to speak. And uh, yeah, flying it. Did you do the dirt on me this week? Graham, I was out there cheating on you and I was enjoying it as well. You were with our you were with our main ways. Yeah, friend of the show, Tom O'Mahony, uh the bookshop podcast. Um you can check it out on Stitcher, on iTunes and on all other podcast providers. Just search bookshot, lads. Uh, we've had Tom on the podcast before. He's an absolute gent. Um top, top, top bloke, very funny man. And uh, yeah, he asked me to go on his podcast, and I said, you know what, you had Mero on before, and it's my turn to talk shit about him. So I spent... Did you defend me? Say again? Did you defend me, yeah? No, I was completely honest. I spent an hour basically, uh, you know, putting right the wrongs of the world, Graham, and telling people the truth about you and your illicit, <laughs> your, your illicit behaviour. <laughs> Love it. So if you, it, it, I think it actually it's out by the time this episode is going out. Tom's podcast is already out, so uh, you can you can check it out, lads, and you can hear the real start of WTS Pod. They would have heard me before Christmas with Tom. No, that's what I'm saying. So they can hear the real start now, like you know what I mean. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no, it was no, it was nice. And Tom's a gent, and uh, yeah, your your episode with him came across very well. So I suppose I was just going out there to try and beat you. Will we get Tom back on? Will we? I suppose we will. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice lad and he's very funny. He's a very busy man. But now that Panto season is over and he has the tights off for a little bit, you know? Yeah. So. Um, there's still Christmas chocolate around the house, Danny, and it's the middle of January. Not in my house, is not. <laughs> <laughs> don't, know, don't know what sort of people are living in Glenhaven Park, but I can tell you in Marybar Village, there's not a chocolate to be found. <laughs> And it was gone by the end of December. I tell you what, January 2nd, I was like, any chocolate left? No, you ate it all. I did not. Oh, hilarious. Um, what was I going to say to you? I went back to Vicar Street last Thursday to see Christy. You did, the bold uh, Christy. And the bold. I love when people say the bold Christy more. Yeah. Um, and um, security said to me, stay on your fucking wheels tonight. Yeah, yeah, and rightfully so, Graham. You're nothing but hassle wherever you go. Tell and they were like, "We didn't, we didn't know you were a fo- where you were a fucking blogger, <laughs> a blogger." Yeah, <laughs> I hope you corrected him instantly and said, "Don't you dare call me such a lowly thing." Exactly. There was actually a, a girl um, tagged me in photos um, from that night. She was sitting in the balcony, mm. and just wanted to give her a shout out. Siobhan Sheridan is her name. We spoke many years ago. And then, um, by coincidence, she tagged me in the photos. I was like, holy shit, I haven't spoke to you in years. Uh, and she's she lives in Australia, and she's gone back to Australia. So, uh, how are you, Siobhan? How are you, Siobhan? I hope you're keeping well. 
Yeah. And I hope that Australia isn't burning you alive in the middle of their summer. Absolutely. Because it's, it's upside down, you see, so it's their summer at the moment, right? <laughs> I know. Danny, did you not know I lived in Australia? No. When? Uh, in 2008-2009, thank you. Oh. Didn't see a 10-year anniversary. Oh, Jesus, it is. Good Lord. Jeez, I can't believe it's been 10 years. Danny, who have we got on the podcast this week? Returning to the podcast, Graham, we have Irish football sensation, Puscast Award runner-up, F- no, AC Florentia. I'm going to get it wrong because it's Italian, you see. <coughs> Florentia and their latest superstar, Shankill's own Stephanie Roach. We're delighted to welcome back friend of the show, and it's been like, what, about two, two and a half years nearly since we talked to this one, Merlo? Um, yeah. Borough legend, that is Steph Roach. Steph, buongiorno. Hello, thanks for having me, lads. Good to be back. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> no, my Italian's not that good just yet, but that's about all I have is ciao. <laughs> Everywhere <Isn't> I go. <laughs> um, you're not, you have to, you're Italian lessons. Uh, we're meant to be starting them in January because there was a bit of a hold up on it. So I'm hoping I'm kind of hoping this week or the next week we'll get started on them. So I have a few little bits. Obviously, there's a few bits in the training pitch that you kind of pick up along the way. But other than that, no, I've nothing. <laughs> the the only Italian I know is uh, besides Ciao is uh, Sano Afamato, which means I'm hungry. Feed me. So if you walk into any pizzeria or anywhere and just be like. Buongiorno, sono Afamato. The Italians will just be like, right, got you, bud, I'm on this. And they'll, <laughs> they'll just <laughs> pile the food in front of you. That's why I love Italy, like. Yeah, to be fair, Florence is actually all right because it's very touristy, so most places speak English. So I'm kind of, suppose it's bad in a way because I'm not learning Italian because everywhere I go, they speak English. But um, <laughs> kind of helping me a little bit more than, than having to kind of learn it straight away. But I have like the Duolingo app and stuff like that. So I'm trying to get a few little bits. But other than that, now I'm kind of... Duolingo is deadly, isn't it? I use that for learning Russian. Uh, I'm still terrible at yeah. Russian, but it's actually a different <laughs> lap like. No, it is. It does help. Like, there's different stages of it and stuff, so I'm getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I got a dose of the gills over Christmas because it kept sending me notifications of, like, it's been 14 days since your last lesson. I'm like, shut up, Duolingo. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a bit annoying. Right? Actually, it's actually lessons, is it, that app? Kind of. Yeah, it goes yeah. Ages and stuff like just different phrases and that more so than anything. It's not full on kind of teaching you everything, but you can put in different things you want to learn about and stuff like that, and it kind of teaches you. So it's it's handy, like yeah, it's not, it's not Mr. Glenan and A11 at St. Lawrence College or not in Merlot, but like yeah. <laughs> it's close enough, man. Um, I actually, huh? I seen him the other day, he hasn't aged a bit, and I seen Mr. Hearn the other day from our school. Sorry, that's that's inside baseball. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. <laughs> Right yeah. on. <laughs> um, like twenty eighteen was was a bit mad for you because you kind of you like it was it was up and down, wasn't it? Like you you got injured, you you left Sunderland, you Club ninety two shut down. But <laughs> that was just a devastating part, yeah. really. Yeah. But things are now looking up. You've got a a new home, and you've got a, a new a new world of football and everything, and it's all in Italy, which I'm insanely jealous of. Like. 
yeah, yeah. I think obviously 2018 and the 2017 was a bit shit for me because like I, I got a bad injury in the September 2017. It was the start of the campaign for the Irish team with new manager coming in and stuff. So there was a bit of a hype around the team. And then obviously I got injured. So it was a bit a bit annoying, I suppose. But I was told straight away that it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. And then it ended up being longer than... The, the, first of all, they thought I might have done my ACL. And then it was we got the all clear on that. And I was over the moon because I thought, right, how, long, how quick can I get back type of thing? And then it ended up being longer than probably an ACL this, at that stage because there was a few different things not noticed and just I don't even want to get into because it it's every time I talk about it I get annoyed but yeah. there was a couple of things that weren't noticed that should have been noticed and I ended up going back to Sunderland in the end of December start of January and I tried to train and I just I went to kick the ball and I literally felt like my leg wasn't going to stop and I was like hold on this isn't right you know that kind of way so yeah. I ended up having to go back back to Ireland and get another checkup on it and they realised that there was another part of the first injury that was kind of worse than they first thought. They thought it was just bone bruising but it was a little bit more than that so I needed another few weeks ended up being months out again so it was frustrating for me obviously because all I wanted to do was get back and play and then with my contract running out in Sunderland in the June it was kind of I was panicking a little bit because I knew I needed to try and get a team and when you're out injured for a year that can be hard like so it was just a bit of a crazy time like and then, uh, and then Club ninety two shutting down. Obviously, you know. <laughs> that just that was just a nail in the coffin, really, wasn't it? <laughs> have, you, have you like, you know, been sent a mass card or anything yet, or? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, to be fair, like I went, I went up on the twenty third. That was meant to be my last night there, and we went up with a few of my friends, and then I ended up coming home for New Year's, and sure, I was there again. So I got to get the final send. How was your time at Sunderland? It was good, yeah, it was different, obviously. The league in England is brilliant, like I have to say, I learned a lot and I played a lot of my time at Sunderland out of position, which is probably the hardest part of it because I'm like a central player, striker or a number 10 is where I've always played and when I went to England, like we had good players in the team to be fair and Sunderland when I first got there who were doing really well but then when they left, I thought maybe I'd get a chance up front and I kind of it got to the stage where I was kind of reliable for the manager to play in different positions and she trusted me, which was great, but at the same time, it was bad for me because I was playing out of position. So I think I ended up finishing up at Sunderland playing left wing back. So anyone who knows me as a player knows that I can't tackle at all. So it wasn't it wasn't the best of position for me, but I ended up filling in well and doing well when the girls were injured. And that's kind of what I ended up becoming was playing out of position and not really enjoying it myself. But as I said, just trying to be professional about it and, and doing what the manager asked me. But like, I enjoyed my time. I learned different parts of the game and shit and stuff like that. Like So obviously it helped my career in a way, but at the same time, I'm happy to be back playing and, and playing up front, I think, here as well. So that's going to be gonna be the exciting part of it. I'll be able to show what I can do, hopefully, in my actual position. You took on the John O'Shea mantle then. A little bit, yeah. And like, it's funny because anyone who knows me will tell you that I, I wouldn't be a winger and... I'm definitely not a defender and then I ended up playing in the wing and then def- and left back quite a lot. So it was kind of, it was a strange one all around because I just think we had a lot of young players at Sunderland as well and and a few of the girls probably wouldn't have played in them positions. So I think in a way it was a little bit of a compliment that the manager wanted to play me there but at the same time I hated playing there but just got on with it type of thing. So but that's the way it goes. Did you not play on the wing for Ireland before? Sometimes I did, yeah. Sue played me there every every now and again, but I used to have rows with her all the time about it. 
not really. Right so we laugh about it now because like I used to play there on the nineteens and then sometimes senior level. But I've, since Collins come in, I've played in number ten or up front, and even he's put me in the centre midfield at times as well, which I don't mind. I just I'm a type of player who wants to get on the ball and move it. I'm I'm not I'm not a pacey winger who's going to get a defender if that makes sense. So I'm yeah. better I'm just better in the middle, like so. Um, we're kind of jumping back and forth between different things, I suppose. But just while we're talking about Ireland, then. Have things improved since was it two thousand seventeen that kind of you know you you and the rest of the girls kind of had to raise a lot of issues and kind of say like you know it's substandard at times. Have things kicked on and improved for you since then? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I've been out of the squad now for a while, but I'm still talking to a lot of the girls, and there's a few things that that probably weren't hadn't been sorted quick enough that we were trying to get sorted too. But I think at the minute now it's. It's all good. And to be fair, like I think at the time it was just a little bit of, how do I say this without sounding really bad? Like I think it was just people didn't realise that we needed the certain things. And that's, yeah. it was just kind of having the conversation and getting it out there and having the discussion with the FEI and, and letting them know that certain girls like, didn't have gym memberships and um, like were missing work and not getting paid for it. Like some of the girls were missing work. Like even Karen Dogan, she was retired. Like she, it's a prime example. She was a teacher at first and then she had to keep taking time off work and she was living in Dublin and having to pay a mortgage or pay rent, you know, that kind of way. And then going away at the Irish team was making her kind of scrap for money at the end of the month. I don't want to use her as a prime example, but that was a few of the girls on the team yeah, that had yeah. that. It was just kind of a case of getting the, the point across to the FBI and telling them, like, we need these certain things if we're going to compete at the highest level. And I think, in fairness, since Collins come in, he's making sure that we're getting the best of standards and stuff in everything anyway. But I just think we needed to, as players at that time to put it forward and let the FEI know that if we didn't have that, we were going to struggle to compete with the high, the better teams in, in Europe. Like, Was it was it hard to kind of, say, come out and publicly protest, like, pub, not protest, but publicly come out and, uh, yeah, protest against the FEI as such? Was, was it hard to do that? Like, was it hard to get everyone's support or are we all on the same page? To be fair to all the girls, everybody was on the same page and everybody knew it, especially the girls who played abroad and seen what England were getting, what Scotland were getting and these teams, you know, that kind of way and how much they've grown over the last few years. So I think every player knew that we were right and it was what was needed. And in fairness, all the girls were all on the same page. But it's funny you say that because like myself and Anya, I remember the day we were going to do the press conference, like we both looked at each other and was like, I'm more nervous here than I would have been playing a match. Like we were, oh, every one of us were bricking it. Like we're like, what if people think that we're like, we're divas, we're asking for two and what, you know, that kind of way. We didn't know how yeah. people were going to react. If they were going to think like, what, what what did they want? Like they're playing for the country, get on with it type of thing. And like, it was hard for us to kind of know, as I said, how people were going to react. So it was nerve wracking as such. But I think the little things that, that people, that they use with the whole tracksuit thing and, getting changed in the toilets and that kind of caught the public's attention but for us as players like I didn't have to do that at all it was just we knew that would be kind of what would get people's attention it was the other stuff that we really wanted in terms of girls being subsidised when they're missing work and and people being um, given gym memberships and programmes and stuff just to be able to better themselves as players more than anything like so it was it all worked out in the end thank god but yeah it was a bit nerve-wracking at the time like (laughs) It was great though as well because you had the support of uh, a lot of Irish journalists and and they did write brilliant like they wrote pieces brilliant that did get the support of the public and people I, I remember people on Twitter going kind of going girls have the Puska award nominee has to share a tracksuit and you know those little kind of buzz lines 
got the the people's attention, you know, and it was kind of like this is ridiculous for our, our women's national team, like. Yeah, and that's what I think it was. As I said, like I know when we were talking about it, they 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 kind of tried to pinpoint the whole getting changed in the toilets and and sharing tracksuits and sharing gear, not getting the keeper on gear and stuff like that, and. As I said, that's kind of what we wanted because we knew the press would, would latch on to that. Well, not us personally, like people who were helping us. They would say that's something that yeah. will get it out there quicker. As I said, at the back of it all, all we wanted was the kind of other stuff that was more important to us. Like, Badly. I'd say it. I really enjoy, I love a good protest. <laughs> he does the protest now, so the eye go in and ballybrack over the smallest thing. <laughs> <laughs> the head on this point again Guinness a couple of weeks ago wasn't right so he had 40 people outside the Oigo running amok that was now the Queens and Darky you dope not the oh, Oigo I'd never the Queens and Darky of course of course it was the Queens of all the things for you to protest against Graham shit shouldn't have said that <laughs> Um. so yeah Steph you've 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 moved on to Eden. so how did the move to uh, Florentia I'm saying it right I mean, it is Florentia is it yeah, you're getting it right. Yeah, a lot of people struggle with it, so don't worry, that's good that you're getting it. <laughs> I told you I have good Italian lads, I have this. <laughs> uh, how did how did the move come about? Uh, basically, I when I was in England, um, there was a guy who used to be at our matches all the time, and he kind of had a few different businesses going, and he was doing um, a clothing company called Soccerella, which is football gear for women, and the last few months, last maybe 10 or 12 months, he's started up his own agency, so... He randomly messaged me one day and sent me an email and like on it. To be fair, I'm brutal at getting back to people on Twitter and stuff if they messaged me. So I only seen the email and I got back to him then. He just it was just when I was back, pretty much fully training. Like I was training with P Mount and involved in a few of the kind of home base sessions with the Irish team around the end of August type of time, I think it was. And he just gave he just said, Can I give you a quick call of a couple of clubs in Europe who are interested in getting you on trial? And he rang me then and I just remember kind of being delighted because I didn't really know where I was going to go, to be honest, which I was kind of saying to myself, like I'd missed the boat with England because most of them teams start getting their squads together in like June, July. And I obviously wasn't fit then, so I couldn't go on trial anywhere or do anything like that. And having yeah. been out for a year when I was playing in England as well, wasn't ideal. So he got in touch and said a couple of clubs in Spain, first of all, there was no mention of it Italy first. And then... He, he said to me, OK, he just wanted to see if I was interested. And obviously I was because I wanted to go and play abroad and play at a good level. And then he got back to me a couple of weeks later and he had a few options. And this club were the first to kind of offer me to come over and see the place. And as I said, I wasn't back fully fit, but I came over and I played in a training game. It was my first game since I broke my leg. like So it was a bit of a nerve wracking thing. And yeah, yeah. thankfully I was able to do OK. Obviously fitness levels weren't at the best but I was able to do well in the match and, and kind of show what I could do and then they offered the contract and even at that stage I kind of I was like I was delighted to get the contract but I kind of wanted to make sure that everything in it was right because when I played in France I kind of had a few bad issues and things that happened and things that were meant to happen and didn't happen if that makes sense so when I came home then I just remember speaking to Dean and, and then my dad and that and just kind of saying look at they're offering this it's a, it seems to be a really good setup and I kind of didn't say yes straight away. I kind of said, all right, I'll see what happens. I might go and visit another few clubs. But in fairness to them, they were honest straight away. They sent me a contract and it was really good. It was really, really kind of something that I felt like I could get I could get something from me. You know, like on the way I could earn a bit of money while I was here and, and hopefully be able to play in my position and, and, and just do well here and then maybe have options for, for next season. So I ended up coming back over again in September because they let me go home. They wanted me to go home and do a bit of a fitness program and, and just be... Because obviously I was only at the getting back, I wasn't fully fit. So 
they, with the Irish physios, sent a plan and I'd done my own fitness sessions for about four weeks. And I went back over then and, and trained with them for three days and it went really well. And they were happy enough for me to sign. And I again, came home again, considered it. And then I rang them and said, look, is it being great to me? Is it giving me the time to kind of get myself fit and sharp? And I'd love to sign for you. So it just went from there then. So it all, fell, it all fell into place fair, fairly handily and it it wasn't because I was like I was thinking like I and obviously I've no experience of going out of contract other than when I didn't resign at Ballybrack Boys at under 15s for <laughs> three weeks longer than I should have like but uh, <laughs> I'd imagine like it's nerve-wracking I'd say it's stressful is it yeah a little bit because I think for me as well like I I had the bad experience of France and when I came here I, I really did look to make sure the things that went wrong there were good here if that makes sense like I wanted right. to make sure that like the training facilities were good they, like they do like the GPS tracking the heart rate modern they do all that like they're really up to date on the kind of the SNC side of things as well and I think that's important for the way football is going now like and just little things like with like I asked the girls did they get paid on time you know things like that and like everybody here, there's like actually a girl here from London. Her name's actually Roach as well. Yeah, she's and like she, yeah. she's like being great help us out. I was able to kind of chat to her a little bit, and she was open about. It. She said, "Look, there's a few things. Obviously, which you get at every club, but she said for the for the most part, it's really really good and very professional, and that kind of helped me then settle in. And there's a few other foreigners who kind of seem to be doing well and seem to like it, so that helped me as well because I wasn't going to be like I was in France coming over being the only foreign player not speaking the same language so it helps there's a few players here speak English and are able to help me so it was good when when you mentioned some of the problems in France like do do you mind kind of giving us an example besides the you know being the only foreign player coming over because like I'd be obviously we've no experience of it and it's kind of when you when you hear somebody talking about the difference when it comes to kind of pro football and you hear somebody saying like yeah, I had a bad experience there, but over here it's different. Like, like what kind of things are you talking about? Like, I suppose for me, when I went to France, it was my first professional contract. Like, I just finished up with P Mount, I remember, and Eileen Gleason had just left, and I kind of was like, all right, maybe it's that's kind of a sign. The team were kind of not breaking up, but a few of the girls had left, so I was like, right, let's just go and do it. Like, and I went over on trial, and I had no agent at the time. That's probably the biggest thing. Right. It's my first time experience, first experience with like contracts and stuff like that I went over they agreed to get me in my own apartment which is fine but like I agreed to pay I think I was getting paid 700 euro a month and then having to pay my bills and everything out of that and I kind of at the time when I got offered it I was like yeah here I'm going to play football what what's like I had no experience which you know having to pay bills having to Mm. feed myself every day and all that sort of stuff so I kind of just jumped on it and thought that's great but it was a struggle like every month I kind of had to be asking my dad for money or they need to be transferring me money and stuff like that and it just it wasn't ideal in terms of money because not that as a female footballer anyone will tell you not that you're playing football for money because there's not much money in the game but yeah, yeah. just enough is all I was looking for and it kind of just that part of it was was a struggle also obviously the language like I've been off I've been told I get um lessons and I had them for the first I think three weeks and it was going really well I actually was learning quite a bit like and the girl that was giving this to me had to go back to college and she agreed to do them through Skype and I was like great perfect that's good for me but the club weren't happy with that and they ended up getting someone else then and he just like he was just a little bit strange to be honest with you like and I just didn't want I didn't feel comfortable with my parents it only lasted about two weeks there was myself and another American girl actually came in after and she was doing them as well but it just wasn't 
ideal. It wasn't the situation. And as I said, he was only there for a week or two and then the lessons stopped. So I was like, had no lessons. And there's a lot of other stuff. I don't want to slate the club because like they obviously oh, gave no, me... Of course, with- yeah, yeah still speak to the manager like he really liked me and wanted to play me and stuff like that but like I remember we'd done a promotional just, thing you just didn't feel right over there yeah yeah I remember we'd done a promotional thing for a game one time like and I went I showed up like and got there and there was a makeup artist hair like which is great for any girl who wants to do like, a photo shoot or whatever like and I thought right this is great setup. then all of a sudden they came in with this like bag of gear but it wasn't our gear it was like a like a jersey and shorts but they were like cut up into like a belly top and it's really short shorts and I was sitting there going like uh, I'm not wearing this like, I am not wearing this and I proper like no one in the room understood a word I was saying I was like no 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 not wearing it and like we ended up having to do like a photo shoot in it and it was just like they put up the posters around the town and all it was just really really bad like, that was probably the, that was kind of the final straw for me I was just like no nah, I can't do this like I actually can't do this and that kind of was um, something that I haven't said, to be honest. It's the first time I've actually said that on like, to the public. Like, cause I've been asked a few questions about France and where it went wrong. But it was little things like that that I just I just didn't get a good feel from it. And I was just like, yeah. on that sort of stuff. Like, it's not it's not how I want to do it. Like, I want to be promoting games by playing football and doing it well rather than kind of Is... how to put it. <laughs> don't even know how to put it, but yeah, that was kind of... Yeah. Is it kind of because like, I, I know as well, and I've seen before as well. Kind of like you're being asked questions by people about kind of the the infamous almost, if you want to say that photo of you walking past Messi and Ronaldo at the at the award ceremony a couple of years back. And so that's almost like a, a similar thing where it's kind of like, oh, female footballer, we have to ask a question about, or we have to do something to you know because it's a woman. Whereas you're kind of saying like, no, let the football do the talk, and I don't care about the other yeah. shit like. Yeah, a little bit. But to be fair with that photo, I think it was just that it was it was really well timed, wasn't it? And it was a good photo. Oh, and like, to be fair, I don't actually think of it in that sense at all. I think it was just it looks like they're checking me out, which is great for me. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think they actually were. It was just kind of one of them moments where the camera caught them at the right time. But it, the other thing was just it was just I didn't feel comfortable doing it as a footballer. I felt a little bit kind of. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to say vulnerable because obviously I didn't have to do it, but I felt I did have to do it, you know, like on the way. But it was yeah, just yeah, a, it was a bad experience. I didn't enjoy doing that at all. And and then obviously a few other things that went went wrong with the club as well just just didn't kind of help make me settle if that makes sense. So I kind of just I decided then at the Christmas that you know, if it was enough and I ended up coming home like and it was probably the best thing we done because I got other opportunities from it then as well. So definitely, definitely. And I suppose on to happier things then you made your debut with your new club last weekend. Yeah, they did, yeah. So, re- relief coming on, or was it kind of, you know, what was the feeling like when you were, you, you came on as, a, as was the second half you came on? Yeah, it wasn't, I only got, to be fair, I only got about 10 minutes, but I was warming up from the half, second half, so I was absolutely, ra- like, couldn't wait to get on, and I was kind of like, come on, you know, put me on. And then the other teams, we were winning 3 0, I think, no, 2 0. And then the other team scored. We got a third goal, and then they scored. And it was kind of like, oh, I was like, he's going to show up shop now. He's not going to make any more subs. And that kind of made him kind of not make subs for a few minutes. And then he ended up putting me on with 10 minutes to go, which obviously I was delighted to get on. But kind of the game was over when I, by the time I got on, if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. hopefully now we play play Juventus on Saturday. So that's a huge game. So I'm, I'm really hoping I can get more time. I've, I've done really well in training the last few weeks. I think I should get a little bit more time and, and we'll see what happens. So. Yeah. I'm close, I think, to, to getting the full 90, so we'll see how, how long I can get out of me. <laughs> yeah, there for the year or two years, Steph? 
Sorry, say that again. Are you there for a year or, or two years? Yeah, one year. It's just a one-year contract. I've, I've discussed, obviously, the second year coming up. And uh, our season finishes the end of the uh, start of May, and the April start of May. So we said, like, I've spoke to them a couple of times, and they've kind of said that they're open to me signing again. So hopefully, I just want to get going now and, and do well in the matches because obviously it's been great. I've been doing well in training, but obviously, you can't just do well in training. You have to do well in the matches too, and then we'll see what happens next season. And you're settling well, you're settling in well over there. Yeah, you're, are you on your own, or yeah, I have. I'm in my own little apartment, but it's like I'm at the back. This one of the girls has a, a villa in Porto Romano, which is a kind of a really nice area, like so. I'm close to her, and then a few of the girls are, are, are quite close. Like, I'm really, really close to the city, so it's handy as that because I can just get the bus into the city and meet the girls and we go for food and stuff like that. So, I'm I'm on my own, which I like. I like having my own space, but I can go and meet them whenever I want to as well. So, it's it's kind of the best of both worlds, you know. Cool. Once you're settled. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm completely settled now. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. um, th- this will go out probably after the the Juve match. Um, but uh, is uh, what what's the league position like? Is there is it six points behind the leaders at the moment? Is it? We're fourth at the minute behind Fiorentina, AC Milan, and Juve. And Fiorentina are probably the best team from what I've seen. But like obviously, Juve and AC Milan have put a lot into the the women's team, especially AC Milan this year. They're only the first they played. So like it's. We're up against obviously clubs that have a lot more money and stuff. But in fairness, this club has done really well this season. I've been like surprised. I remember ringing Dean after we played against AC Milan and saying like we competed in the game. We ended up drawing one all, but we should have probably won the game. You know, like on the way. So it was great to see that we're competing against the big teams because like when I played in England and this is no disrespect to the English league, but I think if you're playing in England and you're playing for Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, you're flying. But the other teams are kind of all competing against each other, and when you're playing against the big teams is kind of like, well, when I was at Sunderland, it was almost like you went out to defend for your life and, and hopefully get a result and all that kind of way. Whereas here, since I've come here, I think we've competed and the Italians are a bit mad. Like they just go for it. There's no kind of just getting back and defending. They're just going for it and trying to win, Like which is, for me as a striker, obviously great to see. So I'm excited to just kind of get involved and play in a few more matches now. Um, do, do you know, um, just, sorry, Danny, when, when you, when you're, um, I meant to ask this when we were talking about Sunderland, but did you have much interaction uh, with the the men's team? Like, did, would you have seen John O'Shea much at all, or are you all trying? Do you train together, or what's the situation like? Yeah, well, my first two years at Sunderland, we trained there all the time. We trained in the academy of light, and I actually had a few very good conversations with John. I remember he spoke to me when we were the whole. Uh, strike thing and all was happening and he was he was very supportive and hoped said was I hope he's get everything they're asking for all this sort of stuff but he was a really really sound sound lad and he was always chatting to me and whenever we go into the canteen for breakfast or lunch like the men's team would be there because we used to go in in the morning the full time players would train in the morning and then we'd come back in the evening and train with the, the few of the part time players so we kind of were there a lot and they were usually just there in the morning so we used to have breakfast with them and in fairness like Jermaine Defoe and I used to always come over and have chats with us and see how we were getting on and it was a good group of lads, to be fair. They all there's no really any of them who I would have said were stuck up or anything like that. They all seemed quite nice lads, you know, like on the way. So it was it was a good environment to be around them. Like have you watched and the, the campaign ladies a saint, didn't she? <laughs> it was we had a chef, a man that was in there all the time, and he was a French guy. He was lovely, really nice. He used to always look after us. <laughs> I was gonna Daddy. ask have you have you watched Sunderland till I die on Netflix yet? I actually have it on my list. I haven't watched it yet. I've kind of been wrapped up. I watched that You thing recently. I actually got through it in two days. 
What did you think of you? What did you think of you? I watched it and I, I enjoyed the first five episodes and then I was like, what the fuck is going on? What am I watching? Yeah, this? a bit of it was a bit like, just like they were so obvious that you could do stuff to stop him doing the stuff he was doing. Like, but now I liked it. I thought it was good. It kept me interested anyway. You have to watch Sunderland till I die. It's excellent yeah, television. Yeah, I have, I'm to get through it. I'd love to see uh, a Sunderland Till I Die type documentary in the League of Ireland. I think it'd be great for the league. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you've got a few clubs that'll be willing to do it as well and have a bit of history as well. It'd be good to see. But yeah, but you'd only get you'd only get be able to get the best team in the country to do it though. So yeah, Bowles would probably step right up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting off in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Anna, in fairness, though, do I? I would say if if you have anything on the list ahead of Sunderland, like do I, I would I would kind of bump it down and and just commit to it. Especially, obviously, given your connection with the club and yeah, there'll be yeah. familiar faces, and you, you might kind of you know have a little bit more kind of nostalgia and that even watching it. But I think I don't know from a neutral point of view. Um, like the first thing I was doing was going online to see where they were in League One and see what's going on. And <laughs> like you, you, you get like <laughs> exactly, you get wrapped up in it and everything. You know, I was like, what are the new owners doing and who's the new manager? And like it's just yeah. But I think in fairness, it, it does come across really well. John O'Shea comes out looking like a saint. He is a yeah. saint. I wonder, did you ever ask him, Steph, what uh, why he was up in the graduate that day? <laughs> No, I didn't know that. He was up in the graduate today, Man United beat Arsenal 8-2. And everyone got photos and all with him. I think he was up there with Andy Kyo. No way. I didn't know that now. <laughs> he was, yeah. Everyone, and, he, and every kid and man that wanted a photograph, they all got it. He didn't say no to anybody. Yeah, he seems like a really nice lad, I have to say. And some man was there. Uh, United have to win an A2 and someone goes, John, if you would have been with United, it would have been annoying too. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it Arsenal? Uh, he scored that absolute peach against the little dink, little little sexy shit. dink he yeah. there. I didn't know what to do after it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, celebration was hilarious after it. <laughs> you, you've set up uh, Stephanie Roach FC. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, it's something that I wanted to do for a while, and with being injured, it was probably something that I had a bit more time to kind of get around to doing. Like, um, obviously, I had a lot of help with people, with Dean and Dean's dad. Gary's obviously a very good coach. He's been helping us out quite a bit, and well, a few other people around. Yeah, a few other people around the area just kind of helping us out with getting things set up. But it's it's been a great start. We had a, a first camp at Halloween. It was kind of we were trying to do it in the summer, but we just quite, weren't quite ready. So I didn't want to rush it and do it wrong. So we waited and done a midterm camp, and then we're in a couple of schools as well over the last the last kind of semester before Christmas. So we're hoping to start up again in January in some more in more schools and then uh, getting going again with the midterm in February, a few more camps and, and club sessions and stuff like that. So there's a lot more to come from it, but uh, it's starting off nice and slowly and I'm kind of hoping to build something that I can come home to as well. And, and when I finish playing, I'll have something to fall back on too. That's kind of the main goal of it. Like That's deadly. That's and well, um, well tree for RTE from time to time as well. I hope so, yeah. I have to keep turning RTE down all the time. It's brutal. Every time they ring me, I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't get back of a match that day. <laughs> so, yeah. No so, hopefully, I'm able to do more. Yeah, I've had to turn down a few things now, not just punditry. Like, they asked me to go on um, a couple of the shows, and I just I couldn't commit to the time frame because, because of football, obviously. And I think 
as I've said a few times, I'll have time after football to do those things. Hopefully, if they're still around, so yeah. so I hope they have a bit of patience with me. <laughs> well, without, without being biased, and <laughs> the uh, the the World Cup punditry went down well. You were you were well received, as they say. Yeah, I enjoyed it. To be fair, like I always find. I am kind of into games like that and I like analysing I love watching like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and stuff like that and just watching the games afterwards and hearing what people have to say about it so to be able to do it myself and and just even being in the studio and watching it and kind of going through and seeing how it's all done was just cool you know that kind of way it was great to be a part of it and as I said RTE have been really good with me in terms of like asking me to do stuff and being really patient when I can't do it they'll they'll get me back in again so it's it's been great to do it and and hopefully I can do it more over the next few years you a bit nervous doing that at all? A little bit, yeah. I think the one, one of the days I wasn't well, I had a bad throat. That was probably the worst thing ever. So that was probably the one that sticks out and I was absolutely mortified after that. But I'll try not to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Bernard, was it, was it Bernard Dunn when he was covering the boxing and the Olympics went on dressed as a member of Bewitched? He wore denim on denim. It was absolutely cash. So <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry he's, about... He's That's good. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't worry about a, a croaky voice when he's out there doing denim on denim. Like. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned there Fiorentina, obviously, in the league. That'd be a local derby then, would it? Yeah, they we played them there recently and they beat us in the cup one 0 and they beat us in the league as well. But they are they're very good, I have to say. They've been together for a long time and yeah. they've won the league a few times, so they kinda are the team to beat in the league. But this team's kinda in fairness, they've come up the leagues for the last five years, they've come up every league and now they're in the top league. So it's kinda been a good kind of run for them and now that yeah. the owner is putting a lot of money into it and putting a lot of effort into it and making sure all the players here are well looked after and, and getting what they need so I do think that there's a big future for the club if if obviously everybody sticks to it and, and keeps going because this year we've, we've, we've defied the odds by competing with the big, big teams and, and not just competing we've beaten some of them so hopefully we can we can go on do more in the rest of the season It's quite a young team as well it's, it's only six or seven years old is it? Yeah, well, they got together, I think it was five years ago, basically. Okay. I think the, the owner wanted to invest in Fiorentina and basically I think they asked him for, for too much money and he just said, oh, here, I'm going to set up my own team. And that's pretty much where it came from. Like, and, Unbelievable. Like, it's a brilliant story. Like It really is. Like He's he's a millionaire, basically. He's got money and he wanted to get involved in women's football and he got involved with this team and they were in the lower divisions and every year they got they got promoted and, and last year they got promoted to Syria obviously and and he's obviously wanting to do well and, and this season he's just put more and more money into it and got as many good players involved as he can and as I said he looks after everybody like we, we go out for team meals all the time and he brings us to where he lives and stuff. He lives in the huge house like for food and stuff like that. And like he just makes sure every player is happy and oh, it's a good brilliant. environment to run the squad like so it's it's just it's a nice kinda a nice kind of team vibe if that makes sense it's like a family club almost so it's good to be involved in it and obviously I think a lot of the players kind of respond well because he's looking after them so that's probably why we're doing so well because they want to kind of repay him for, for what he's put into it like yeah, yeah that is brilliant um, th- th- these... there's no men's team no sorry say that again it's, it's just a women's team is it there's no there's no men equivalent no there's no men's team just a women's team Deadly. Yeah, like it's it, it's mad to think that like Florence has two women's team, and then you know, the, yeah, exactly. What I was gonna say in the top flight, like because I mean, obviously, Fiorentina have an unbelievable history of football, and like I mean, even me and and Mike Cabbage playing can remember like Badastuda and Vargas playing for the men's team back in the day, and that so clearly a rich 
history, like, do you know what I mean? And you've got the two women's Adrian Mutu as well. Was Mutu? Mutu. Was he at Fiorentine as well, was he? Yeah, when he, I think he went, went there. Sorry, go ahead, Steph. I said, I think he went there after Chelsea, did he? Is that what it was? Yeah, he failed his drugs test, didn't he, in Chelsea, and then he oh, liked it. Yeah, I was going to say, no, no comment there. We'll, we'll decline comment further on that. <laughs> it was yeah Graham good man nice understanding of the client comment on that well done um, <laughs> <laughs> and do you do you and, and Fiorentina then the, is, is it shared ground like is it do you know why like usually there's like well when there's two clubs in, in a small sort of town or a small city or whatever they often share grounds and then is it that situation or is it separate grounds no, no, we share, We have different grounds now. Like we train, we kind of play a little bit outside. We play in a place called Figline, which is like about half an hour by train. And they play, they actually play really close to where I live, to be fair. But uh, now we play in different grounds and we train in different places as well. So it's it's kind of, it's completely separate. Like. <laughs> right, right, grand. I was just trying to work out how we get half the board over there for the derby in March. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. I think Ryanair flights are fairly cheap in March, lads. Do you know what I mean? So... If you book your annual leave and work now, we can all go over. We can have a border takeover of Florence. Yeah. <laughs> Ryanair will leave us in Rome, though. Fair point. Yeah, you never point, know. Get the train. I think they only fly to Pisa as well. Jesus, trying to get here and get home has been a nightmare because just there's always have to get a connect and fly home. And same with family when they came over, like they had to get a connect and fly. There's no direct flight at the minute, so it's oh. a bit of a pain. Oh, and how, how often are you trying to get home? Uh, well, like, obviously, myself and Dean kind of try to make sure we see each other as much as we can. Like, but he's back pre-season now, so kind of the ball's in my court for when I can get home rather than him coming over because he's working full-time and playing. So we're actually off uh, the weekend of the 19th of January, so I'm going to go home for two days. And then we get a week off in February as well because there's, like, a, an almost a month break because of the international break. So hopefully I'll be able to get a bit of time home then as well. So it's it's worked out well, though, because he came over twice before Christmas because he wasn't training and obviously now we're hopefully having a bit of time off between now and February I'll be able to get home a little bit as well so it's grand you're an absolute solid unit to both of <laughs> we try <laughs> yeah. um, are you looking forward to getting to see then bits of Italy because like I'm, to be honest with you I'm just still trying to you know not come across completely jealous of the fact that you're in Italy and you get to like basically live on amazing Italian food which is <laughs> the best food in the world ever. Like an Italian ice cream as well. You probably can't have as a professional athlete. I'm not a professional athlete. I'd be eating a bite of book a lot. I like having it though as well, to be honest. I have to stop myself at times eating pasta and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, just walk in, sono affamato, they'll sort you out. They'll sort you out. <laughs> I, I, was in Florence, I was in Florence years ago, uh, Steph. I did the open, open top sightseeing bus at Tuscany. Was that unreal? Yeah, I've done quite a, bit, a little bit now since I got here, but it's been a bit hectic to be fair. Like I'm just kind of trying to get settled in, so I'm hoping now this year, at the start of the year, I'll be able to go and do a little bit more on the weekends because my auntie actually lives in Rome as well. So kind of hoping oh, to get up. And she Brilliant. Around like so, it's it's handy enough. Like. It wouldn't be that. Do a day in uh, Florence. Say that again, sorry. Broke up. Statue with David. I think he's in Florence, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your man with his flute. Yeah, he's there, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not a bad location, though, is it? Because it's like, what, it's maybe two or three hours by train to Rome, is it, if even? I mean, You can get there's a fast train that only takes like an hour and 15, I think. So, like, it just yeah. depends on 
And then Bologna's only up the road. The home yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the home of Bolognese, Graham. Yeah. Bologna. No, it's Bologna. It's not Bologna, it's Bologna. Sorry, we've already established of the three of us, I speak the most Italian. <laughs> right? And, and I've done one semester of Latin in college. So, clearly, it's Bologna. Okay, yeah. It's, well, I'm sorry, Daddy. <laughs> it's, it's B-L-O-W-N-Y-A. <laughs> Cragger. <laughs> um, so, what, what, what are you looking forward to most, F, then, in terms of what comes next with, obviously, aspirations to do well in the league and that kind of thing, but for the rest of 2019? Back in the Ireland team. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was going to say. Obviously, I want to get back into the Irish team. Um, they've got a game against Belgium now. Actually, that weekend we have off there in international camp. So, obviously, I'm going to enjoy the break, but I want to be playing as well. So, I'm hoping I'll be able to get back in with the squad. I've, I've spoke to Colin quite a bit. Like He's been in touch with me. I've been texting him weekly progress reports the last few weeks. So, he's happy with me and just kind of wants me to get playing games. And, and he's told me that once I start playing games, he'll bring me back in. So, Hopefully I can play games and, and obviously do well as well and get back in there because there's a camp the end of February, start of March. So that's kind of my aim now is to get a few games under my belt here. Obviously, hopefully do well and score a few goals and then be able to get back into the Ireland team. So that's the big the big one for this year. Love it. Love it. How well, is, how well say when you were coming up the rank 17, 18, uh, the, com- the comparison, what, what are the 17, 18, 19-year-old uh, girls like coming into the, the senior team I know Colin has introduced a few of them in certain camps well not probably giving them any caps but he has certainly introduced a lot of the underage girls into the team is, is there is there a lot of promising girls coming up? Yeah I think to be fair when I was probably just coming out of the 19s the under 17s teams got to the World Cup and be I think it was Spain in the Euros finals. Like they done really well. I beat, beat Germany in the Euros as well. Like there's a lot of young girls when I was playing coming through. The likes of Megan Campbell who's now in the squad, and Dora Gorman who isn't actually playing anymore. A few other young girls who are really good. Denise O'Sullivan who's obviously playing at the minute. But I think from what I've seen, there's a lot of promising within the women's national league, and that's obviously helping. I think having the kind of the stable like National League for young girls to be able to progress into from 17 to senior. I think that's definitely what's helping at the minute because when I was playing, it was kind of like you were playing DWSL and I was probably 15 playing the senior team. You know, like on the way and you'd be just getting kicked around the pitch more than anything. You weren't able to actually play football. So I think that's probably what's helping the underage girls now. And and obviously they have a bit more of a kind of a progressive steps to take along the way and then hopefully be able to play for the international teams and then get into the senior team because Colin, as I said, as you said, is looking to use as many young players as he can and get them involved and get them experience. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, it broke up there, Mero, so I don't know if you said anything other than one word. I said brilliant. Very good, Graham. <laughs> the, the, the two years went there, like, what's going on? Yeah, the connection's a bit ropey tonight for some reason. The downside of using technology and not being in the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Or... Yeah, my mum tried to do that as well and I had to decline it so that could have had something to do with it. <laughs> That's definitely it. <laughs> That's it. Once I've called and came up and had to decline it so maybe that was it. <laughs> what words that have to be had there. You're trying to do a professional media interview. Come on. I know. <laughs> 
Jesus, I mean, like... thinking about now. Deadly. Now, well, Steph, look, all the best with the rest of the season and all the best with, with everything uh, going on inside and outside of football. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. And um, I'm sorry that Merlo was being DMing you on Instagram. I know it's a pain. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time. You've been so generous with your time, Steph. And we won't leave it so long the next time. Okay. Thanks very much for having me again, lads. All right. Best of luck. No Deadly. Problem. Cheers, Steph. Yeah, all the best. Later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Steph's a diamond. Absolute diamond. Love that interview. Yeah, I enjoy... I, like, we left it far too long since the last time we talked to her. I know, we didn't want to annoy her during her injury because she was out for a, a year, like... Yeah, she had a... That was going to... I, I didn't mean it as a... I was going to say she had a rough break. That's an awful pun. I wasn't going for that. I just... You know, she did have a rough time of it. <laughs> um... I was going to ask her a few times last summer, but I just seen her on on Instagram and stuff like that. She was just she just looked busy, and I didn't want to annoy her. So I annoyed her last week, and she said yes straight away. So fantastic, fantastic. But um, yeah, no, look, it, it helps that she's she's uh, she's low. She's in the border or from the border rather. So it's always nice to see local people doing great. But I mean, in in terms of just you know, in Irish star, in terms of female athletes and female sports stars. She's definitely one of our top ones. So more power especially, to her. especially the kids looking up to her because oh, she's on the academy there and she does a lot of trips. Even when she was out injured, she was doing a lot of trips to schools mm. and stuff like that. So all the all the young lads and the young girls would look up to her, you know. So fair oh, play to her. Hope she has a great, yeah. great season and this well, next five months with uh in the Syria. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. She's a legitimate role model as well, so, um, yeah, delighted to have her on and, and would happily, happily, happily have her back on again. Mero. Yes. That's 171 in the books, as they say. In the book. It's in the book. It is indeed. It's uh, it's past our bedtime. It is. So, I would like to ask you to tell the boys and girls a bedtime story and wrap this podcast up. Okay, you can find us on any podcast provider by searching WTS Pod. That's on Spotify, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, Apple iPods, uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, and um, Facebook. But you can still have a look at our retrospective posts. Yes. And um, what else, Dan? Um, yeah, just, you know, me and you are on Instagram and we're on Twitter as well. And um, I am starting a campaign to rename Bologna, Bologna. Um, and I will march on the town and city if I have to. Lovely. Until next time. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet.